I play in a local Austin band called The Big Gun Show. I've started this podcast to sit down with other songwriters, musicians, artists, and lovers of music. And in this case, influential music promoters. Just to talk about their top five records that have inspired their musical tastes and their lives. Tonight, I'm talking with Josh Duke. He's the main man when it comes to the Campfire Gathering event. Uh, he asked me to be the camp counselor of Campfire Gathering for the event, and I told him that I always knew my strength was songwriting and you know, performing on stage, and I realized that I wasn't going to be able to do that at my age. And basically, what he was asking me to do was to do what I actually love to do, and that's engage with the people. So here I am now, engaging with people of like minds and like attitudes. So at Campfire Gathering, it takes place on March 16th and 17th of 2020 in the pristine Texas Hill Country at Camp Lucy in Drilling Springs. It's going to be just 30 minutes west of Austin, maybe 40, but escape the craziness of South by Southwest. There's not going to be any lines or no waiting and, and, and just epic food and killer music. And you can just tack on a, an adult camp activities like archery or axe throwing, uh, maybe a side of yoga and massage with a sidecar of one of the best music lineups around today. Don't miss this. Get over to campfiregathering.com, campfiregathering.com. Get your tickets, uh, get some lodging, a yurt, a uh, RV. Do whatever you need to do to stay there overnight because it's going to be sick. Anyway, Josh used to run sound for Willie Nelson, hero, and Guns N' Roses. He loves The Cure. I sang, he asked me to actually sing Love Song at his wedding, accompanied by his brother James. Uh, that was an honor. Uh, I actually gave him as a, as a baby present for his new daughter two Rockabye Baby Lullaby CDs from uh, The Cure and GNR. Um, icing on the cake was that uh, I gave him a toddler onesie that says sweet child of mine and like an hour later we're sitting at his house he goes hey Gunner this is the best the best one we've gotten yet so uh, one last thing some people have been asking me about the episode images on my podcast this podcast logo for uh, my top five records is a sunset backdrop with the silhouette of a woman and a record player and a tree or whatnot. But each episode is of the podcastees carving of their name or initials, whatever they want to carve, into my table. I built this table in my studio in 1992 when I was in college. Um, so that's it. If you have other questions, uh, send me an email. But let's get to the conversation. First, close your eyes. And now on the desert island, what five records do you have? All right, ladies, gents, I've got Josh Duke with me tonight. Now, this is going to be a great conversation. He is the main man when it comes to the campfire gathering, and I'm involved with it. I'm the camp counselor. It's going to take place on the weekends, in between the two weekends of South by Southwest on Monday and Tuesday nights, uh, 16th, 17th of March. And we've got a killer music lineup. We've got... All these awesome activities, archery, axe throwing, yoga. Would you like a spa treatment? <laughs> yes. So, um, Josh, I mean, talk to me. What are we doing here with Campfire Gathering? What's what's the point? It's a good chance for 
people that don't want to be stuck downtown during South by can't go anywhere. Too much traffic. 36th street sucks sticking your feet sticking to the floor you still want to see some good music but you don't want to get in the middle of of all that come out to camp lucy come to dripping springs texas hill country gorgeous gorgeous i mean camp lucy itself the property is insane it's like awesome it's got that was that a river or creek running through it that's onion creek but yeah it's like it's a, I guess it's. I a, mean, one of our activities yeah. is gonna be fishing. That's right, right. And so, but I mean, it's got this. It's got all of these different. It's got a, a chapel flown in from Vietnam. Right. I love that. And we're gonna have chapel sessions there. Nikki Lane. If you Joe don't Wheatley. like Nikki Lane, you come talk to me, yes. okay? Because Nikki Lane is she's awesome. me. That's who I want. Um, anyway, so but tell me a story. I mean, because I, I still really don't understand how I became involved with this. I was thinking through it a lot, and the idea took a minute to kind of develop. It, it it didn't fully develop, actually, till you got on board. I probably never told you this, but one of the things I knew right away early on was that it needed to have some personality. It needed to have a heart and a soul, and it needed to have a person who was connected to it. So when we all go to these big festivals, you go and you get a ticket and you walk in, and it's just like... Uh, here you're here and now go do your thing but there's never a personal touch and they couldn't because it's 80,000 people right but at our event with under a thousand people I wanted it to be hosted by somebody and I wanted that somebody to have really understand and get behind what we're doing parts of it are a little bit goofy and we're not trying to take it too serious but it's going to be a lot of fun and you just immediately came to mind. In fact, I never talked to anyone else. I called you and you, you, you immediately got it and you kind of completed the picture of what we wanted it to be. And you still do that. You get it. And nobody else could, could take that role. So what I told you, I think on our first conversation was this is going to be your party. You're going to be the the host. You know what? I love to party. Yeah. I love to get down. So I think when people come this year that you'll be the person who they'll meet and you'll greet them and you'll talk to them. But then in future years, I think they'll always be looking for where's Gunner. I want to say hi to Gunner right. and what's Gunner up to. And Dude, I can't wait for future years of this. This is like, cause I, this is one of the things that I did tell you as well was that, you know, like here I am, I have my own band and I write the songs and I write the music and we're really starting to kill it now. But it's, what I really love at this age of my life is being able to connect with the crowd. And I love the songwriting deal, and I would love to make my life out of songwriting. But what I really get high off of is that whole engagement. And what, what you came and asked me to do was I, – I, I never even thought I would have that option to, to do it. And so thank you. Thank you. And this is going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. All right. You've got top five records here. Right. Let me talk to you. Let, let's. Let, I've got "Appetite for Destruction" by Guns N' Roses, Beastie Boys, "License to Ill," "Redheaded Stranger." Who, who's who's that? Willie Nelson. Oh, that's right. Uh, "Poolside," "Pacific Coast Time," and "Disintegration" by The Cure. All right. Let's start off with "Appetite." Okay. Well, actually, let's t- start off with me telling everybody that what I gave Josh for his most recent daughter's uh, birth was two things. 
actually, so basically, two children's albums. It's like lullabies for of Guns N' Roses songs and of the Cure songs. That's right. And then on top of it, I gave a little onesie that says "Sweet Child of Mine." It's my favorite thing. She has. <laughs> I've seen a picture. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about Appetite. Come on, tell me why okay. why Appetite? Oh, hold on. Where are you taking these albums? Hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. Don't know? All right, then you're going to a desert island. You're going, going to jail. To you're going to jail with them. If I'm going to jail with them, yeah. Oh. All right, Appetite. Why? Appetite. Uh, there's so many reasons why I love Appetite. I mean, I was, what, 16 maybe years old when it came out. And at that time, music was taking a real hit. I mean, it was all anything that you would even, you know, call quote-unquote rock and roll. It was all, you know, men in drag and, and just really cheesy. Hold on, when was this? This was late 80s? Uh, when, early 90s? Uh, 89, okay. something like that. That's, yeah, that's when I graduated from high school. So, you know, it was... Poison and and White Snake and all these cheesy you know wannabe rock bands, but then all of a sudden Guns N' Roses came out and it was kick fucking ass rock and roll. All right, tell me what differentiated them between just Poison. Well, I can't. The tell. sound, the look. <laughs> I mean, the the songs, the swagger, the swagger, the whole thing. It was awesome. I mean, the record was the best thing I'd ever heard. Okay, and can I can I say that it's rock and roll? It's rock and roll. It's rock and roll. It's and real rock and roll. I mean, and there's really, not I don't a think, whole lot of rock and roll albums. I'm not. I mean, I'm not sure much better has been done since. I mean, as far as a whole album of rock and roll music, it's pretty. It holds up. Um, fair enough. It's uh, it's full of good songs. One of the, you know, then when I started really, it, it it's one of those things like every record I've picked except for one, is because. Well, actually, because except for two, but it it's a record that stuck with me. Like it, I never ever got tired of listening to it, and from the time I first heard it to today, I love putting it on and listening to it. Um, and so over the years, I've appreciated it for different reasons. So, I mean, one of the many reasons. All right, why let's I love hear them. It, let's hear the different reasons. Uh, I like that. I don't know why this is so cool to me, but it was the last record that was ever made recorded mixed mastered everything was all on analog okay and that's never happened since then but before that it was normal but right after that is when everything started you know uh transitioning to digital and and not that that's so terrible but i just think that's cool it has a sound that is you just can't i didn't know that and so a little history behind Mm -hmm. about josh duke is he's been running sound for years uh for willie who else Guns and Roses, GNR. <laughs> oh wow, weird. Uh, but yeah, that unrelated. I was a huge fan before, and never thought that would be an option. Um, and it, dozens of other bands. I mean, but I hear you. Yeah. Anyway, he he knows his he knows he knows his sound. But I always thought that record being as good as it, as it is, and the sound is you can't you just can't replace that. You know, you can't you can't get that. That it just is a great sounding record. And some some dude was in there with a razor blade chopping up tape and <laughs> putting it together with scotch tape and that's how they made that record it's cool you know okay so all right did you did you tour the band and do shows with them yeah 
Let's hear some stories. Much later. I wanna, no, there's no I stories. I want to hear some stories. Come on. That, that that was one one of the tours that didn't have a lot of, I mean. They were all sober. Well, they weren't sober, but they were, you know. That, by the time I was, yeah, inaccessible. We were, it was stadiums and we rarely crossed paths. And that was, uh, we would see each other on show days for 90 minutes and well, when, they'd when, jet off somewhere and we'd jet off somewhere else. And, when campfire goes off, we can tell them to. We'll try to fuck get off yeah. because now we're, we're the man. Uh, anyway, so no stories. So you said you had some good stuff to talk about GNR. Well, I think that it's just a record that still holds up. Like it, if you think, um, you know, watch the NFL game. You cannot get through any NFL game anywhere about hearing a Guns N' Roses song. You know, you can't. Yeah, it's the music just permeated everything. It's everywhere, and it's still. I just think that there's very few, as much as they've had their their problems and Axel went crazy and this and that, but the music has always just, it's everywhere. You cannot escape it. And so I just, it's just fascinating to me. Like as much as I love listening to it, it it's, you it, it can it just, it's just gotten, it's just made its way into every kind of every. What if I said uh, Guns N' Roses is ACDC? And what, yeah, in the sense of what you're talking about right now, like it's like yeah, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It's I mean, that, you, right? It's or Queen when ACDC used to be like this eh. satanic, eh. satanic rock band, and eh. now you hear them in, in, everywhere. in commercials, yeah, you know, commercials, yeah. stadiums. Yeah, and and that's that's a good point. It's it's because the, there's a reason why it's so easy to. It's just it does something to people. It moves people. Well, I want to figure out that because I I need to make that into my music. I want to. I, w- I want to have a legendary song that's played at every stadium. Well, I'm, I mean, and that's a good thing that you just said, like legendary song. How many legendary songs are on Appetite for Destruction? Several. Four I mean, or five. Four or five. Yeah. I mean, maybe over. I and mean, come on. And I mean, even the ones that aren't legendary are pretty freaking good. Yes. And, and no. so you can play the record from stop, from start to finish and it really does move the needle, man. It gets it it just is a great experience listening to it. I'm going to tell you my experience with Guns N' Roses. <clears throat> so, when I was in high school, that's what I believe when the album came out, Appetite. And I loved it. It was all it was cool and everything, but I over the years, I never I was like, "Oh, you know, Slash He's not. He can't be that good of a guitarist, you know. I don't hear it here. And then I went a couple of years ago to see them in San Antonio, and I I, I got it. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, he really is that guy. And because I'd heard all this hype about him, you know, I was like, oh, they're just hyping him up. Just me being pessimistic. Anyway, so I finally learned my own lesson by having my friend take me to a Guns N' Roses show. But so now. Well, I want... that's the thing about the Guns N' Roses. It's it's not a, you know, people say that about every guitar player. Oh, he's not that good. He's not. Like, I'm like, great. Why don't you? If you're so good, why don't you write a write Par- uh, Paradise City, or, <laughs> you know, or or Sweet Child of Mine? Or I mean, they they wrote uh, Sweet Child of Mine. I think was the one that was a it's a scale that they use as to as a warming up, right? Uh, I I didn't know that. Yeah, it's just uh, that that riff they just used to warm up and and the two guitar players in Guns N' Roses were doing that in the dressing room and Axel walks in and said that sounds like a song. Ah, oh, god, <laughs> you know? awesome. So it's not about being 
that great. It's about making great songs. That's what I love about Guns N' Roses. It wasn't, no one has to be, you know, you don't have can't, to think Slash is the best guitar player, but I guarantee you, any, I, don't, I haven't met anyone else that can write songs like that. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. Um, you know, it is all about the song because I'm a songwriter, but yeah. of course. Uh, all right, so now I want to talk about The Cure. Now, I've got a story to tell everybody about The Cure and my relationship with Josh. When Josh got married, he asked me to sing Love Song by The Cure mm-hmm. on an acoustic guitar with his brother. And I did, and it was awesome. We had a great time. And it meant a lot to me to do that. And I know that it means a lot to Josh. It means a lot to me. I was listening to that song on the way here and thinking about that exact story. That song still gets me. It does. It, it's a good song. But and it I'm really gl- means a lot to me. But yeah. I, I and I'm I'm glad that I could do that. I still I need to understand why you have the love of the cure so much because I it happens to me a lot, you know, and one of the beautiful things about this podcast is I get to listen to a lot of other music. Mm-hmm. I just don't get to listen to enough of it. Please explain to me why The Cure, because here, here was my take on the album, okay? I felt like the songs, there was a lot of like seven, six, eight, nine minute songs. Right. And I felt that the, 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 the chord structure was very simplistic, it is. It, it, and it's poppy almost. It's it's like a it, but, in well, a way it's like a pop song, but in a way it's definitely not like a pop song. It's it's it, got that simplicity yeah, and, and accessibility, and but it's simplicity in in the in the but what I do love about it is the repetitive lyrics yeah. that he comes in with. You know, it's just He's like a that. master songwriter. He gets it. Uh, he I understands how this to, guy. So the cure that's a that's one that that record disintegration particularly was i always loved it when i first got it i think i was uh you know again in in high school probably thought it was cool to be a cure fan so i wanted to be a cure fan even before i wasn't real before i really was if that makes sense like, oh, I, think no, I, I, I definitely tried but, to be cool when i wasn't but then when i started listening to that record it's it's another one that stuck with me for you know 30 years and i still love listening to it and there's so many things about it and like you pointed out these eight and nine minute songs the the the, that record disintegration is really about it's a mood right it's like the these long intros one or two minute long intros before you even start singing for sure he doesn't do that because he's trying to make a song get on the radio he does it because he wants to make a good record you know and and, and that record you know throughout the record you'll notice that the same instrumentation is just it's throughout the entire so it's almost like you're sitting there listening to a band on stage playing it and by the way they can pull it off on stage they're good live but but you know many records especially major releases like that every song sounds different different instrumentation even different musicians but that there's this this the synthesizers the strings all the things that they use throughout or throughout the whole record yeah and i love that continual flow of the music that really feels like you know like four or five guys sat down one day and just made a record yeah yeah and and i also was really drawn to that record in the beginning because in the liner notes back when they had liner notes which which i miss yes and we'll talk about it in a second it said on the bottom something like this mech this record was mixed to to be loud so turn it up 
Yeah, yeah. What did I, what did I see that? It's um, on their liner notes. And so I, when I was a kid, and I was really getting into music, and um, I would spend all of my money. I started working at 13 and always saved my money to buy stereo equipment. So I'd always have, yeah. like, nice, you know, the, remember the component systems? Oh, and, the, you yes. Know, Who didn't have that as yeah, a kid? With, so I, I had all that, and I would – my parents would take off and if I had the ability to do it, I'd turn that record up just cause it said so on the liner notes. I'd turn right. it up as loud as I could get it. And, <laughs> and he, they're right. It sounds good loud. And, uh, it always sounds you, you sound, loud. you hear all kinds of things in there that you didn't, you would have never heard. And it's just a really, really good, but the songs are great. And that's the thing that that's the only reason why I still listen to it 30 years later is because that song's like a love song. Like you, there's a lot of great, great things on that. Prayers for Rain. I love that song. I love, I, I love the whole record. But then Love Song that puts it over the top for me. That's one of the greatest songs I've ever heard. Um, you know what? I will agree with you on that. I think it's a, an incredible song. And I think it's, I love the fact that it is so simple. So simple. But it's so simple, so but perfect. so like jabbing in the heart it really is and and you know i learned i didn't know this back when i was 17 years old but um now i know that robert smith wrote that song as a wedding gift for his wife who he's still married to which is which is incredible and and what a gift what a gift now then you can go the next step and think he gives her that song and sings it for her, but now it's her song. He gives it to her. He says, when you when he's in an interview, he said, I gave her that song as a gift, so she owns that song. That song has generated millions of dollars. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the, it's just a, but I just think that there's just such a cool story there about how, um, and there's always, on a Cure record, it seems like there's always just one song that is like a pop song that makes the radio and actually gets a lot of traction and then the rest of the record is great. But like yeah. their ability to do that, or his ability to do that, Friday I'm in Love is another example. On, I think it was on Wish, maybe. One of the other yeah, no, there's, I, was just, but I just picked up my phone. That yeah, song, there's a ton of other. There's a ton of them. There's uh, Boys Don't Cry. But yeah. like, it seems like they, that they have that ability to just, they can write these great records, and then they're just like, oh, yeah, and I'll also write like a major radio hit. Just throw it on there, and it'll FYI. be a good song. Yeah, yeah it'll be the killer <laughs> song, right? Yeah. No, it's... I. I, I I I just I'm, I'm I I love I love doing this because I get to hear the opinions of everybody else. And I know you've always you've asked. It's not the first time you've asked me why that song, why that, why the Cure. And I know you you don't. It's not. It's they're not my favorite band. Yeah, they're they're, they're not. And uh, but and the maybe thing that's is, the though, cool thing that, about the Cure is because it's not for everybody. It, it, you're right. You know, but you, the people that like the Cure, they don't just like the Cure. They freaking well, love the Cure. I've seen them twice at ACL last year. They just played again, and it, right. was, it was mind blowing. They were so good. Okay, so let's make a promise. Next time they're here in town, you and I go together. Let's do it. No girls. <laughs> Just <laughs> us two. Okay. All right. Um, so this kind of leads me into – well, actually, I do have a question first for you. When you're listening to a record, headphones or speakers? I mean, headphones are, are great, but – I have if I the best is speakers, right? You don't you want to be aware of the way it interacts with the room, the sound, and all that. You know, not it's not just about you know. And plus, I don't really like wearing headphones. I mean, as a sound engineer, there's a lot of times when I didn't have any choice, and yeah. even right now, I'm not 
it's not the most comfortable. I, I love just putting it on in the room and listening to it bounce around on the walls and all that. That's fair. The reason I ask is because, like, from my experience, like, when I'm recording, I love to have headphones on because I can I can hear everything. But people say, hey, you shouldn't hear everything. And I, but I also love when I'm listening to records, realizing how the artist wanted the listener to hear it. Mm-hmm. So the panning of everything. Yeah. You know, and, and why the they painted here. And yeah, it, 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 that's another thing that fascinates me. So, yes, <clears throat> I do love the speakers. I, I don't have a very good setup here in town. I mean, here in, in, in the doghouse. I have a, I always try to have a nice stereo so I can hear that imaging pretty well, even if I'm not wearing headphones. And yeah. I, I agree it's important. I also really like listening in my car. Because that's the one time when no one's trying to talk to me, <laughs> or and I can turn up as loud as I want. Because I can't do Sing that in along. my house. You know, you're like, ah, oh, there's a girl right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I like listening in my car, and I have a car that has a really cool, you know, sounding stereo. A big old subwoofer yeah, in the back. Does. Well, yeah, it's not like that. But, yeah. It's nice to hear um, when you can be in your own cocoon like that you know nobody can mess with you and you can just turn up as loud as you feel like it i, I dig it man i yeah. dig it it's very rare that uh, anyone of our age can do that in their home because we have wives and now i have a baby i can do it right here you can do it back here. Yeah. uh anyway all right so hold on okay one of your albums is beastie boys license to ill now you know I love this album because this is one of the band, my, one of the songs that my one of the songs off this album cover, yeah. is that my band covers. Yeah, if you write the party, then you do a good version. And of we it. do an awesome version. It's not of an that. easy it's song a, to pull it off. It is so. Fun you got to commit play. to that one, man. Yes, you do. If you show any sign of weakness, they'll eat you alive. If you're doing a Beastie Boys cover, wait, you're right. It's a party. <laughs> no, you can't yeah. do that. Um, okay, so why this album? A, a similar reason because it's just it was a to what to well I GNR? think yeah well all three of these albums came out in a, in a pretty tight window and that was when I was really discovering I mean there's other albums I could have mentioned but there I was really discovering music so for like the first early time. teens uh, mid yeah mid early teens okay. I mean at the at the time when I was old enough to ride ride my skateboard to the mall and go to the record store and I had a few bucks I was buying all this stuff you know and we were, you know, we weren't, we were in a house where we weren't supposed to listen to rock and roll music. So I was all, you know, contraband for a while. Then eventually my parents didn't care anymore, but you know, private our Christian school and all that. It was like, they would have probably thrown me out if they had seen me with a Guns N' Roses or a Beastie Boys record, especially Beastie Boys. Cause they were, ah, those guys were, those girl. guys were about the same age as me when they were 17, yeah. 18, they were touring and they had, you know, they were they were terrible. I mean, as far as morally, they were getting a pretty bad rap. They were like the Marilyn Manson of their time. You know, they Hell were. Yeah, they were. They had like they were... huge penises erected on this, you know, blow up on the stage. And I mean, there's crazy stuff. So definitely pissed off the the Christian uh, people. And But I, I always just thought it was a great record. I mean, it's another one that. Okay, so my, that's my question. Why is it a great record? I like you, it. Tell me, is it because. Did Rick Rubin do it? Is he the one that changed it to make it like so awesome? Or well, it's funny because he's a great producer, right? But his guitar playing on it was so bad that it's almost like cartoon. He played the guitar on that. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. Guitar solos, yeah. Really? And and so 
you know, like the guitar solo in Fight for Your Right, I think it's just horrendous. I like it's like it. nails well, on a chalk. Well, yeah, but yeah, so I just think. <laughs> Uh, but you know, all that like sampling of Led Zeppelin tunes and stuff, I, it was just, it's just really cool. And I mean, it was something I hadn't heard anything, nothing like it. I'd ever, you know, and, 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 and again, I think the songs were good. I mean, you know, like Paul Revere, like it's a great storytelling song. It's just, it's silly, but it's, it's just, it's just a great song. And, um, my name is MC Agalas. Yeah. To kill. I always loved just records like that, that you could put on and play and leave it alone because you know eventually we got ipads and our ipods or whatever and it was just this constant everyone's having to change everything and like some of these records like all the ones i'm we're talking about you could just put them on and listen to them because that's how we used to listen to music we didn't do that i mean we didn't you weren't going to go change a cd and suddenly you know, like you had to get a CD that you could just I, put on and listen I, I, to, or a cassette, a, a record. Let's just call yeah. it a record because yeah. that's what it was. The it was whole a record. Art of the album. Yeah, they I used just, the, the art of making these albums. So make an album that the listener wants. To I always listen to. liked Tell it, that man. Story. I thought I thought it was. I've been. A, I've always been a rock and roll fan, and I, I just thought, for, as for a rap, it's like the best rock music I love record it. I of love rap it that music. you picked the Beastie you know, Boys. The, yeah, I mean it. it, it and they've always it. been rockers. And then at one point. In my life, I was lucky enough to see them live and thought, man. Was I, that when they were playing uh, the three-piece? They were, it was, yeah, the, uh, man, it was, they played at Stubbs. Wow. Uh, that would have been awesome. It was awesome. And I, can't, I think they had a band for they part band, of it. Right. I can't remember that much about the details of the show. I just remember being there going, oh, my God, I'm watching. I've got their, wearing I've orange got their book right up there, and I, I'm still trying to get through this uh, Dwayne Allman biography but i've got that one that's that's next on my list i mean they they went on to do so many great things even their that the the last record i think is their last record that hot sauce committee thing i loved that i mean and that was they had the songs they had they did a a a song that i really loved with Nas, and it was so they they always did great things but if i had to pick it was licensed to ill because that was what to me started it off you know that was like when they came in my on the radar for me at least and i just have always loved that record i could put it i still do to this day listen to it and that was one of the things when you asked me about this was i want to talk about records i actually still listen to not yeah not, not trying to be legit or making a you know some right. music guy that knows everything i just this is what i still like to listen to if i had to listen to something on a desert island these are my five you're gonna be getting up and dancing around. Okay. For my right to Might party, as well. Yo. Nobody's up. Nobody can see me anyway. <laughs> well, maybe a yacht. Anyway, yes. So I, I agree. And what was I? I was gonna say something. Um. Anyway, did All you right. ever you used to tell people to mute their phone when they were recording or? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> and it's my computer over there. So you guys just bear with us here. Um. One of the things, but before we start to talk about Redheaded Stranger, because that is a great album, I want to talk about why Poolside Pacific Coast Hits. Is that what it is? Pacific Coast. It's time. Time, time. yeah. It is yours. Now, I enjoyed this a lot. Did you listen to it? I did. Yeah. I listened to the whole thing. Okay, cool. I listened yeah. to the whole thing. And it was it was very groovy. It just it, it was now, I, I, you know what it felt like. It felt like you're in California at like a pool party. And, and you're what's just wrong with that? Around. If I'm right? in jail that, or on a desert island, you what, could be in Vegas too. Don't I want to feel like yeah, I'm? On I want to be fucking yeah, hell yeah. It's tram transport 
Tentative. Is that a word? a good word. Yes, it's a great word. So I'll answer your question with a question because you obviously liked it. What was? I did. What is it? What it's what what genre or like? Well, no, no, I mean, what is it about that record? Because I always I just became very attached to it. I can tell you all my background on it, but I'm I'm just curious too. Okay, turn it around on me. So. I believe that, so I remember listening to it when I was walking my dog in the park, and I was just kind of, mm, That's a mm, perfect time to listen mm, to it. Mm, mm, mm. And then at first I was like, oh, hey, there's no lyrics in here. It's just all going to be instrumental. Nope, there's some lyrics. Vocals weren't great, but it was just, it it, it worked. Everything worked for it's it. It's very imaginative. It's like they, they, they really reimagine, it's cover songs, just for everyone who doesn't yes. know this. But they've reimagined them in a way that I think is interesting and... I got turned on to that when uh, Peter Murphy was doing a DJ set, the guy from LCD Sound System. Okay. And he played the Neil Young cover on there, Har- uh, Harvest Moon. Uh, and I was like, what was it, is this? Help us. It's it Harvest, Harvest Moon. It's Harvest Moon? Okay. I said, what is this? This isn't... So I... I don't know how. I Googled it. I found it. And then I bought the record. And then I was a fan. And my, me and my wife will put it on. We used to just... It was like... We don't have to discuss now. Like, what do you want to listen to? It's like, hey, put on Poolside. It's yeah, perfect. Yeah, boom. It's yeah. it it's a it's feel good music. It's it. They picked. They were very smart about the songs they picked. Yeah, yeah. I no, think I agree. And I think they did a good job of of honoring the original kind of sound and feel of the songs. It's also a. I can tell you, if you're laying by a pool, it's not bad to. It's just a good choice, man. It works. You know, it's just a. I hear you. It man. takes it's, you there. So uh, when when you asked me this, because you said it could be jail, it could be a, you're gonna die on a desert island. See, why didn't you say poolside? Why didn't you? I'm, I'm taking it to the poolside. Well, I'm gonna listen. To- well, that's what I mean. It's like I could listen to that record almost anywhere, and it, it just takes you to a good place. It's a good. It's just a good listen. This is the reason that I want to inform everybody that I'm gonna ask you. Yeah. Where are you taking them? Yeah. Because that's the whole deal, right? That's yeah. The, that, well, that, that I kinda- think we decided on the desert island. That is a good place for to listen by yourself. But you know that record too. It uh, it takes you somewhere. It's it's an easy listen, but it's got some musical value to it. It's not a. It's not. It's it's not like a background music. I mean, it can be. There's talent in that, but band, it, for yeah. sure. And if and if I had to listen to it a bunch of times, you know, over and over, I don't think it'd drive me crazy. It's it's. I just enjoy it a lot. Yeah. And it's one of the only records there's only this and the next record we're going to talk about came into my life much, much later. But that one is another one that just resonates with me for well, some okay, reason. Okay, So when did this record? So this came in the last 10 years, the last five years, five years. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Like I went to that, that Peter Murphy DJ set just because I was interested in what he would play. And when I heard him play that song, like I said, I went back and I found it. And then I was like, man, you know, this is killer. And then I actually got to see him one time live at a hangout music festival, which is this great uh, festival on yes. the beach, white sand, blue water, which and is not going to become close to anything. Nothing like campfire, but, campfire. But, but, uh, but it's, you know, a, it's an adult summer camp. I would say that the poolside might be a choice one day for, for our event. Yeah, I, I dig it. I like it. Okay. Let's talk about the man, the myth, the legend, the man with braids, Willie Nelson. Redheaded stranger, talk to me. All right. In our 
in our side discussion because we're very close friends you know i know that you question my choice now i'll tell you why (laughs) i love this record i want to hear it so about 10 or 15 years into my professional music career after touring with you know many many you know a-list artists i got a call I think I just finished a Ozfest, Oz, working for Ozzy and Corn, and you know a few other, Korn. you know, huge metal bands. And I, before that, it was Guns N' Roses and other, you know, just big, heavy hitting, hard partying kind of situations. And so I got a call saying, "Do you, would you be interested in going out and mixing for Willie Nelson?" And I thought that sounds like a pretty good yeah. break. From yeah, from all this, this like headbanging crap. He works three weeks a month. You're home for a week. Go back out, and it was, I was single. It was just a good situation. I said, sure, let's try it. I ended up being with Willie for six years. But when I started with Willie, I didn't know anything about Willie except for, I mean, I'm from Florida. I went from I, Texas. Wow, really? So I knew like on the road again. But I thought it was like a joke. I didn't even realize like the, any. I had I literally knew nothing about the genius, the legend, nothing about him. So I go into the situation. I'm the youngest guy on the tour by 40 years, probably. I mean, everyone's old. I mean, Willie's real old. Willie was old when I was young. I mean, he's always been old, but I mean, by this time, but I started listening and I'm like, what is this? Like, you know, it, it sounds like a, like, it just wasn't the musicianship I was used to because it was a bunch of, you know, country boys from yeah. Fort Worth. And, you know, they were, you know, the drummer was not a drummer. He was a pimp. And, you know, he was a <laughs> Willie's like bodyguard. And he Which is playing. my favorite he's been song, with him by for, the way, yeah, me and Paul. Paul English. I mean, but I didn't get it at first, but within a few weeks I got it. And I realized the beauty of what was happening on that stage. It was men that were together that were more than brothers, more than anything. And Willie had a elegance and a music a musicality that you can't learn. You can only be born with. Because when he plays that guitar, it's the most melodic and beautiful thing I've ever heard. No guitar player plays like Willie Nelson, and nobody is even close to as good, in my I opinion. agree with you 100%. I believe that of the... If, if you... That I believe that there are specific vocals that you can hear like two notes of, and you're like, okay, that's Mick Jagger. Yeah. But I also believe you can hear that, and you hear that's you Willie hear Nelson. Trigger. You know it's Trigger. When you hear that guitar, there's no doubt and, that it's him. And it's not just that it's, I mean, because you could say that about The Edge or many people. No, you can't. But, no, but, you I mean, can't. but, but you with can, Willie Nelson, it's, a, it's an extension of his soul. It's that guitar is his voice. It's it's when not just voice, the sound. It's it's the not feel. just the sound. It's not it's, just anything. It's the emotion that goes with it's it. It's not just anything. It's that guitar is. I mean, it's just a part of his soul, and it's a, it's so melodic, and his soloing is so beautiful. Nobody could pull that off, and I and I think that when I started to get a sense of how, wait a second, I'm a part of something pretty special. I started to really, like, it didn't take me too long to understand that it was a, this was going to change the rest of my life, which it 100% did. And it changed my life because I moved to Austin. I married my wife. I have my daughter. None of this would have happened without Willie Nelson. 
but it, but more than that, I learned to respect. I learned. I to, I got to spend six years in the presence of genius. I mean, I sat there with Willie. Also got to sit there while he recorded with people like Ray Charles and Keith yeah. Richards and uh, you know, the the, the list goes on and on. But but Willie was enough. Like to me, being around him and seeing what he could do with that guitar and that voice, it was like it didn't. You know, it was just nothing compared, and still nothing does. So the reason I picked Redheaded Stranger. Hold on, I have a quick question before that. Okay. Um, do you have any dogs? I have a couple dogs, and one of them's named Willie. Oh, Nelson. weird. Okay, that's all right. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Well, when I got my little Boston Terrier, and we were trying to name it, my wife was like, "Well, what's the thing you love the most?" Let's start there. And I said, "Willie Nelson." She goes, "That's a good name for a dog." And that's my dog's name. And but, I love um, how you just told my wife and I that you, you tried to name your your daughter Waylon. I did, which would be an, an epic name. That would be the deep. I, Hopefully, I'm no sorry. one listening here will do that because I'm, I'm still planning <laughs> oh, on doing sorry. it. Sorry, <laughs> I'll edit that out. Uh, we, All right, finish no, up. I, uh, but the reason I picked "Redheaded Stranger" was because it features his voice and his guitar, because that to me is what makes Willie great. Their songs are incredible because, but every song Willie does is incredible. Willie could do anything. I mean, he's going to elevate it to a point where it's going to be awesome, but. That's that record, the sound of that record, to me, it just cuts right through my to my heart when I hear him playing that guitar and singing. And there's not a whole lot of extra instruments. There's nothing. It's just, it just. I mean, there is other stuff on the record, but it it's just so prominently him and his guitar. And it sounds like you're sitting there across the room, which I've done, and watching Willie play guitar and sing. That's how Redheaded Stranger feels to me. And when it when you hear him do "Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain" or when you hear him do "Time of the Preacher," that's that's the that's what that to me is what get that's the best experience you're going to get from Willie Nelson. You put that on the radio, you put in your house, you turn it up as loud as you want to. You sit there with a little glass of this beautiful Reserva tequila. You're in for a good night. It's all nothing bad's going to happen in your. When, when you're listening to that, I agree. this is this is the most beautiful part about Willie is his ability to take that guitar and play and sing and make and and it sounds like an orchestra, you know. Do you think that Do you think that the, one of the reasons you love this album is well, uh, different question? Do Do you think that it's now that he's getting even older that he it's going to be a little bit different for him because like that album was, it's gotta be. So I'm sorry even to ask that question. Well, I mean, we all know, you know, time takes its toll and eventually that's, you know, that, but I think, I I do think if Willie wanted to sit down right now in this room and with a guitar, he could probably go through that and sing every song on that record and and it'd bring us all to tears. You know, but I think that Dude, you're making me cry. I think that um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things people will say about Red Hair Stranger concept album. That's valid. It's great. It's a story album. You know, I mean, yes, me. Back then, nobody had ever done something like that before. Willie Willie did like a Broadway play on a piece of vinyl. I mean, that was the way he wanted that to be perceived. And but the reason I picked it was because it's the it's what reminds me the most of the two things that make Willie great. It's Willie and Willie's guitar trigger, and when you play, when you hear that sound, there's no mistaking who you're listening to. I agree. I completely agree. But I do have one 
question. Oh, actually, question or um, competitive. Okay, so I love Redhead Stranger, and that was an option for my top five. The other one was Phases and Stages. Now, the thing I love about Phases and Stages is that it's a different kind of concept album, right? It is one side about the woman, the other side about the man. And the thing I love about Redhead Stranger is it, it's a story the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Why Redheaded Stranger over Faces and Stages? Because uh, the latter has Bloody Mary Morton. That's a great song. It is a great song. And it has Devil in a Sleeping Bag, right? <laughs> Which is another great song. Also about Paul English. And I didn't see, I don't know that either. Yeah. That's so great. So Paul English's nickname back then was the Devil because he was the Devil. And Paul wouldn't sleep and still didn't. Even when I toured with him, he wouldn't sleep in a bunk. He'd sleep in a sleeping bag in the ba- on the couch. That's how he slept. And oh, and that song, Devil in a Sleeping Bag, is about Paul shivering in a sleeping bag up front because they didn't have any heaters. and freezing. Yeah, they're driving bag. through, you know, Amarillo or something. <laughs> it's five degrees Woo! and he's up there shivering in his sleeping bag. Um, I don't, I don't know. If, see, to me, I don't have to compare them because I love them all. But... If I had to, to to live the rest of my life and only hear one Willie record, I just love the way that Willie's portrayed in that Redheaded Stranger because it's him and Trigger. You know what? I, I could, I, I can, I can, I dig it. There's nothing think, else. It's just, that, it's just him. Yeah, but I also, I, the space and the... If, and if the space? If you're going to be on a desert island and listen to an <laughs> album, don't you want that like fucking peaceful... Uh, I think you do because I can always it. put on uh, Guns N' Roses if I wanted to get to yeah, start dancing start, or something. Okay, I get it now. I get it. See, this is what I have to do. Yeah. I have to talk this stuff out. Uh, you know, and and you, the, I'm glad you said space because that was you know, when in Redheaded Stranger, Willie leaves so much space between notes and between. It's an empty. It's, it's so, so good. But it's just like, but that is what makes it so beautiful. Right? I agree. It, I, it's I his ability. He doesn't need to. He didn't have that need to fill every single second with a noodling on a guitar or, or doing vocal roles or whatever. It's he's telling a story and he's it doing is. it on his own pace and it comes out. In my opinion, it's perfect. Brilliance. Brilliant. That's the word. He's a genius. Okay. I, what I want to talk about now is Campfire Gathering. Again, I'm sorry. I've got to bring it back up. So Campfire Gathering, you can find us online at uh, campfiregathering.com. Yeah. On Instagram, it's going to be you know slash Campfire Gathering. Facebook, same way. Uh, anything else you want to say about the campfire? Because it's going to – dude, I'm so excited about this. I think we got a we got an epic lineup, and I think we the reason we were able to do that is because of the people involved and the fact that uh, the, our idea resonates with with the bands. You know, we're we're heck yeah, it it's, it's a it's a thing that people want to play, and and I hope it's a thing that people want to come be a part of. Uh, it's a VIP experience. It's there's a there might be a little bit of sticker shock, but once you get there, I think you'll see that when you're not pulling your wallet out. To every time you want a drink or every time you want a, something to eat and every, and you're seeing this incredible music and having this huge beautiful ranch resort all to yourselves I that's, think I think it insane. makes sense and it, I think it, it's a I think we're going to be there for years to come and uh, our camp counselor Gunner will be a 
will we'll always be at the forefront. And um, watch out, I'm gonna get crazy on this that's one. Right. But the lineup is. I mean, let's talk about the the the, the headliners: Shaky Graves, Margot Price. We've got Culture Wall, Delta Spirit, Deer Tick, Ray Wiley Hubbard, who I can't wait, can't wait. to see. Yeah, he is he is one of my songwriting heroes. Uh, Paul Cawthon, hello. Um, there's Matthew Vog- uh, Logan Vasquez, Robert Ellis. Uh, have you listened to his album? Yes. It, the, the Piano Man. It is He's so good. Incredible. Yeah. Dude. It is awesome. Yeah. And uh, I love that Topo Chico Woman. and Lime. Yeah, Topo Chico and Lime. <laughs> you, you heard my playlist. Yeah. So you guys go listen to my playlist yeah, on Spotify. To playlist. It's, it's, it's going to be called uh, Campfire Gathering Counselor Gunner. I don't know what it's called. Whatever it's called, I listen to it all the time too. And and when uh, I get when I get bogged down in work and I. I listen to it to remember how excited I am about this it's, lineup. It, 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 it's going to be so awesome. Yeah. Uh, Nikki Lane's also playing. Joe Ely is going to be playing with her in the chapel sessions, curated by Bruce Robeson. Mm-hmm. It's going to be awesome. So anyway, Josh, thank you so much Thanks for, for coming me. over here tonight and talking to me and just listening to me just talk. So um, anything else you got? That's it. It's a great time. All right, boys. All right. Till next time. How cool is Josh Duke? Come on. So go out and get your tickets to Campfire Gathering. You can grab them at www.campfiregathering.com. That's www.campfiregathering.com. The rooms are sold out. So you can also rent RV motor coaches and yurts, air-conditioned yurts, by the way, uh, when you're there to buy your tickets. And if you've got the gumption, head over to TheBigGunShow.com. That's TheBigGunShow.com. And check out what we're up to these days. You can also catch us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all with the handle of TheBigGunShowBand. That's the and band on the ends and the starts. I'll be back in two weeks. And then every other week after that, close your eyes. Back on a desert island again. What five records do you have? Till next time. <laughs>